We have a great service today. I'm so excited um, about our speaker today. She has a, I think it's a once in a generation ministry because there aren't many ministries today that actually go into places that nobody wants to go in order to reach people who everybody thinks are too far gone to be reached by the hand of God. And uh, Deborah George is with us today. You'll meet her in just a second. She has a ministry that goes into strip clubs. It goes on the streets where prostitutes are. Um, It goes into crack alleys and places of that nature. And it ministers the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And they are gloriously saved. They come out of those situations. Their lives are transformed. She might show you some pictures today of people um, when she first met them. And then after they walked with the Lord for a little while, you can't even tell they're the same person anymore. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. And um, her ministry is so, so powerful. Um, she has an anointing on her to break yokes and destroy bondages that are in people's lives. And I want you to give a great big faith church welcome to Deborah George. Well, let's give Jesus a great big clap and a great big shout. We have an amazing God. If you'll remain standing for a moment, I want to thank you very much for having me today. I'm so honored to stand in on this great platform, and I know that you know this, but I like to say it. You are so blessed to have amazing pastors, Pastor Frank and Pastor Lisa, and their beautiful family. And I just really want to highly commend the staff. Let's give the staff a great big hand. What an amazing staff. And now I want to clap for my favorite people, and that's everyone that volunteers their time to serve in this great ministry. I tell you, God is rewarding you and blessing you greatly. We had a great women's conference yesterday, tap in, and I'm so grateful for Roz for heading that up, had such a beautiful time. And of course, Pastor Frank, thank you a million, trillion, billion. You can tell I'm from Texas because we like to use big words. Everything's big in Texas. That's just a joke. I don't really use big words. I'm pretty down home, but thank you, Pastor Frank, for having me, and God bless you. Let's just lift our hands toward heaven. If you feel comfortable in doing that, it's just simply a sign of surrender. Father, we love you today. Father, we are so absolutely thrilled to be in the house of God, in your presence, Jesus, with your amazing people, hearing your powerful, life-changing word. Today, Father, we want to thank you that as your word goes forth, that our hearts and our lives will be forever changed. That, Father, I want to thank you that every need will be met. Father, I want to praise you that today you're restoring marriages. You're saving our entire family. Father, you're healing bodies. You're healing the brokenhearted. Father, I think you're setting people free from uh, depression and suicidal thoughts in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I just want to thank you for your precious uh, presence and anointing that's here today, Holy Spirit. Thank you for transforming, changing our lives forever. In Jesus' name, and everyone say it. Give your neighbor a high five and say, whoo, something good is going to happen to you today. And I believe that. Can we clap one more time for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? 
God bless you. You're looking beautiful. You may be seated. And I see a soldier. Would you stand up? And uh, God bless you. I just want to honor you today. I just want to honor him today. I just want to honor you. I just want to honor you today. God bless you. God bless you. What's your name? Lucas. Where are you serving, Lucas? Uh, I just came out of boot camp, but tomorrow I'm leaving for MCT, combat training. And then I'm going to go to Florida, and then I'll come right back. Can I pray for you? Is that okay if we stop and pray for him? Father, thank you for our new friend. We thank you for your angels, my Father, that are all around him. Father, we're grateful he's at church today. Watch over him. Thank you that he made it successfully through boot camp. And, Father, may there be a hedge of protection around him always. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are grateful for this man and so many men and women that serve and have served our country? We are grateful. I like to say it like this. God bless America. All right? God bless America. You can be seated. God bless you. I want to talk today for a few moments about destiny takeover. How many of you realize that our life can be taken over by a lot of different things? They can be taken over by addictions. They can be taken over by many different situations. But today I want to share with us for a few moments about how we can allow God to take over us with his plan, with his purpose, and his great destiny for our lives. I love Jeremiah 29, 11 in the message. And it simply says this, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. And, you know, the word gospel actually means good news. And so today I'm here to tell you some good news. And that good news is simply this. It does not matter. I'm a country girl. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter what kind of background you have. It doesn't even matter what you may be going through today. Jesus Christ loves you and he has an amazing plan for your life. I would like to tell you today that I came out of my mother's womb saying praise the Lord But I don't lie in church I actually think I came out of mama's womb saying let's party And the party was on baby I grew up on the dirt roads of a town too small to even make the Texas state map called Claudine, Texas But do you know what? Even though we didn't make the map, God Almighty knew right where we were. And God Almighty knows right where you are today and what you're going through. I'm the youngest of six children. My daddy was a rice and a cotton farmer. We had cattle. We had chickens that laid eggs. We had, uh, that's a good chicken to have, right? (laughs) A chicken that actually lays eggs. (laughs) And uh, my mother had a garden, and we just grew up so down home. We only had, out in Claudine, three neighbors. Pee Wee was a short man. Slim was a tall, skinny man. And they were both fighting over one ugly woman named Estelle, okay? (laughs) And they both wanted her, and I I could never understand that. But yes, I do, because she was the only woman out there. (laughs) And so they fought over her constantly. 
My aunt had a beer joint next door to Mama's house called Sarah Shanty. And so we just grew up thinking life was one big party. We never had anything fancy, but we always had a loaded shotgun. We were ready. <laughs> because someone was always threatening to kill us. It's a true story. And you might say, why, Deborah, why didn't y'all call the law? Well, you could call the law all you wanted to, but we lived out in the middle of nowhere and it would have taken the law three days to find us. And so I guess you could say in Claudine, we were the law, baby. You know, we were it. We were ready. But we grew up with such a, a, a humble, a very uh, simple upbringing. And uh, we were just real down home. Our house was always filled with people because all of my brother's friends from the city of Houston always wanted to spend the night at our house. Why? Because we were crazy, but we were also a lot of fun. And so we would wake up in the morning and walk in Mama's kitchen, and there would be these big fat rats waiting on us as if to say, is the coffee ready yet? But one day my older brother, Johnny Joe, took off his cowboy boot, threw it across the room, and bam, killed that rat on the spot. I mean, hit him the first time. Well, uh, many years later, when my brother turned 18, he signed his name on the dotted line and went to play semi-professional baseball. So I like to say it like this. He got a lot of practice throwing his boot at those rats. And uh, many times what we think is an unnecessary, unwanted, stinking, dirty rat in our life, many times God can turn it around and use it for his glory and to launch you and I into our God-given purpose and destiny in life. And so we grew up, you know, very, very simple, party, party. I, you know, I didn't have a Bible. I knew about God, but I never had a relationship with Jesus because no one ever told me that I could have that. And uh, so, you know, we just lived in the knowledge that we had. And uh, when I was 16 years old in high school, my uh, my high school sweetheart that promised to marry me broke up with me, broke my heart. Oh, it was just horrible. And so I planned on at the age of 16, I was lost. I was without Jesus Christ. And I was so devastated over this breakup that I decided that I was going to take my own life, commit suicide. And so I had bought a bunch of pills and I waited till all of my family was in bed that night and I lined up those pills on my mother's kitchen counter, filled up a glass of water. I was 16. And as I reached over to grab those pills and to take them that night, there was, I can't explain it, an unseen presence that entered my mother's kitchen. And I didn't know until many years later that that was called the presence of God. And I love Psalm 1611 because it says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At God's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But I didn't know what that presence was. I just knew that I went from reaching for the pills to changing my mind and thinking that I was going to be okay without this guy. And I love to share with young people and adults, we can all, um, you know, benefit from this as well, that no person or no situation is ever worth you or I forfeiting our destiny over. And so I'm standing here today 
because God spared my life at the age of 16 in my mother's kitchen. And I graduated from high school, still didn't know God, went off to college, big party, 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 party school in Texas, in San Marcos, Texas. And when I got to college, we didn't just party. We took partying up to a whole nother level. It took me about five minutes to realize that my six-foot-two-inch father was not at college with me. And, boy, we got involved in drugs and all of the wrong stuff. But I want you to know that all of the time that I was going down what the Bible calls a broad and wide road to destruction, all of the while... God is a merciful God, and he had a plan for my life. And it doesn't matter what you are faced with today. It doesn't matter what your background is. I'm going to bring it all the way down home. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you said or did before you walked through these church doors today. God knows how to take the worst situation and turn it around for his glory and to use you in a magnificent way. At the age of 20, I didn't know my sister back home had gotten gloriously born again. She had given her whole heart and life to Jesus Christ. So I left on a week-long spring break to go home. I went to go visit my sister. And when I walked in her living room, she shared a powerful scripture with me. John 3, 16. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And with tears rolling down my face as a wild partying 20-year-old college student, I just fell on my knees in her living room in Sugarland, Texas. And for the first time in my life, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. And the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the things that I love about God is the fact that the Word of God says He remembers our sins no more. You and I may remember all of the stupid stuff that we did. Has anyone ever done anything really stupid? Would you wave at me so I know I'm not up here by myself? It doesn't matter all of the dumb stuff that I did in my past. In one second of time, Jesus washed it all away, and he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Paul says it like this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become brand new. And from that moment, from the age of 20 until now, I'm not the same person I used to be. I uh, lost all of my friends at college because I told them right off the bat, hey, I'm not going to party with you anymore. They laughed and laughed. They said, oh, you're just going through some kind of phase, Deborah. This is just temporary. But I want you to know that's been quite a few years ago, and it wasn't temporary. But when God begins a good work on the inside of us, he completes and he finishes what he starts. So I got at college, lost all of my friends, and I was a little upset about that. But do you know sometimes alone is good? 
because God had my undivided attention. I didn't own a Bible, so one day walking to class, I had to pass by a hotel, and I saw this doorway of a hotel room open. I glanced in, and I saw a Green Gideon Bible. I was a baby Christian, like five days old in Jesus. And I said to myself, I think that's what I need. I think I need a Bible. And so I walked in the hotel room, grabbed it real quick, and I guess you could say I started out my walk with God by stealing a Bible. I couldn't wait to get to my first church service because, honey, that was my first Bible, and I was so proud of it. I was showing it off to everyone, and and, uh, I must say my first Christian church service was kind of like a shock to me because I didn't really, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian church, and so I didn't realize the, the presence of God and the life of God and the joy that comes from simply being in church. And how many of you know today that when you are in the family of God, You're never alone. That's why this amazing local church, Faith Church, man, when you come here, you are in a place of safety. You're in a safe place when you're connected to your local church. And so I was showing off my my new Bible to everyone. And looking back on it now, I got a few strange looks, but that's okay. You know, I didn't realize everybody knew I'd stolen that Bible. You know, I didn't realize that. Because I was a baby. And how many of you love baby Christians? Because we can make a lot of mistakes and we just pull up our pampers and keep on moving, baby. We don't care, you know. God's a merciful God. But I'm so glad that those people gave me a few strange looks. Because I want you to know that Jesus never intended to birth you and I out of a religion. He birthed you and I into having a real, living, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I made it through college witnessing to everyone, not knowing what in the world I was saying, telling everybody John 3.16 could be found in the book of Revelation. (laughs) I didn't have any biblical knowledge, but boy, was I on fire. I had so much zeal. I was so excited. And I am still, though I have biblical knowledge today, here's the good news. It's a great testimony to the glory of God. I am more on fire today than I was the day I got gloriously born again. I am more excited and enthusiastic about loving Jesus and serving him than the day I first met him. And you might say, well, Deborah, why are you so excited? I'm excited because my name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life. And one day when this earth, when this life here on this earth for me is over, I know I'm going to stand before God and I believe he's going to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Get on in here, girl. I want you to go sit with every prostitute that you ever led to Jesus Christ and hear their stories. Because I told the Lord, now, Lord, when I go to heaven, I don't want to sit in the minister section. I really don't want to do that. I want to sit with every prostitute, every drug dealer, every drug addict, every alcoholic. I want to sit with every person that we won to Jesus on the streets, and I want to hear their story for your glory. That's where I want to be at. 
And so I, I graduated from college. That was like a, a miracle. It was just a miracle. And uh, I began to teach elementary school, got my degree. That was just a real big miracle. And I got plugged into my church at home. And the pastor that I had when I was 20 is my same pastor today because I believe in serving in our local church. I did everything imaginable. I uh, preached to 12 teenagers. They hated me. I hated them. <laughs> they never would say amen. I did the song service by myself. <laughs> I went home and cried my eyes out after my first youth meeting because I didn't really understand ministry at all because I didn't grow up in it. And I told God, I said, God, if this is ministry, I'm quitting. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit whispered something really special to me that day. And he said, Deborah, just be faithful. And so I kept going back week after week, no results. But after about six Sundays, a teenager got gloriously born again, got on fire for God. And then these 12 teenagers ended up coming into the kingdom and they absolutely turned their public high schools in Houston, Texas, upside down for the glory of God. And they began to win souls. And I love what Romans 1.16, when Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And though I may be ashamed of some of the junk from my party past, there is one thing and one person I will never be ashamed of, and that's loving Jesus, being passionate about him, and bringing lost souls into the kingdom of God. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And I like to break it down and say it like this. Go into your world, go into your school, go onto your job, go into your neighborhood, go into your department store and share God's love. There's always someone that's waiting on the other side of your obedience. And so when I graduated from college, I was involved in my church and 12 teenagers turned into 40, 40 into 150. And, and we had like a thriving, thriving youth ministry. And uh, my pastor uh, knew that um, I'm a very obedient disciple. <laughs> and my pastor knew that I would do anything that my pastor or the pastor's wife or the leadership wanted me to do. And so uh, he decided he was going to put me on the women's praise team. And I don't sing. <laughs> and so he said, put her up there. She's got joy. <laughs> and so I was just singing away, shaking my tambourine, you know, at the women's meetings. And then it wasn't until much later I found out my mic was turned off the whole time. <laughs> so it's not really in our ability. Come on, it's uh, in our availability toward God. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all the gifts that God has given us, but I would rather see someone that is just excited about doing something for God than see someone so gifted that doesn't really appreciate that God gives gifts to us all and he wants to use us for his glory. And so uh, I met a wonderful man in my church, and we got married. And, I mean, oh, boy, you talk about, I was like, oh, cloud nine. I mean, I grew up in the country. And in our family, you're supposed to get married around 18, so I was already behind time on that. And then you were supposed to have at least six babies, maybe more, because that's just how we were raised. That's how we were taught. And so I was so happy to be married and so happy about 
you know, starting a family and all of the things that, all the qualities that were instilled in me as a child. And uh, one night, after several years of marriage, my husband walked in and said, I don't love you anymore and I want a divorce. Well, that just really threw me off. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, I stood for the marriage for four years. We were separated. I believed God for him to return. He never did. And if it wasn't bad enough that he didn't want me anymore, then I found out he had another woman, okay? And that was really, really hard. But I want you to know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy does come in the morning. I love Joel 2.25. The Bible says God will restore to you the years that the locust, the cankerworm, the palmer worm have eaten. And I love how the Amplified Bible says it. It says the stripping locust, the hopping locust. I say, God, I don't care if the grasshoppers dance, strip. I don't care what they do. I just want to know that you're going to restore everything back to me and to his people that the enemy has stolen. And so I believe, everybody say, I believe. I really believe that it doesn't matter what kind of attack the enemy throws at us in life because the Bible says greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. And it's like we sang this morning, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. And uh, so I was really heartbroken, but I did have to allow God to take me through a process of healing. And so he required some hard things from me. And one of them was, he said, I want you to pray for that other woman. I said, oh God, that's easy. I have a two-word prayer, kill her. (laughs) And I prayed that prayer for a while (laughs) until God was like shaking his head. He's like, you know, you're going to have to come out of it. You're going to have to mature a little bit. You know, because the Bible says we are to bless our enemies. We are to pray for those who despitefully use us. And so I began to pray, God bless her. I began to pray that God would uh, intervene in her life, that he would take care of her. And I was just patting myself on the back because, you know, I had come a long way, baby, from praying kill her to God bless her. And so right when I thought I was doing good, The Holy Spirit let me know that he wanted me to write a letter to this woman. And I was like, oh, that's so easy. I have so many things I want to say. (laughs) But God was like, no, you do the writing. I'm going to choose the wording. And so I, I sent her a letter and I blessed her along her journey. And she had my husband. But do you know what? It wasn't about what she was doing. It wasn't about what he was doing. It was about how was I going to respond to what was happening in my life. Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because Lord, you are with me. It says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then it even goes on to say, And I say this part, thank you, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You even anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Everybody say my cup runs over. You know, that's a great confession to make when you're down to nothing. Just say my cup runs over. And so uh, I had written her a letter and uh, I got my divorce papers and I was forced to move on with my life. 
But I have discovered this, and I said this earlier, but it bears repeating. No person, no storm, no situation is worth you forfeiting your God-given purpose and destiny over. I think I'm going to clap about that. And so I was really forced to begin to cry out to God like I learned how to pray during that four years. And I've been praying differently ever since because there's something about losing everything, especially the things that you love the most, that just really alters your perspective in some areas. And I found out that nothing was as important as loving Jesus and not only making him first place in my life, but making Christ my life. And like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. I had to die to my flesh. I had a plan. I wanted these six children. I had a plan. I wanted my marriage to work. I had a plan. But do you know when my plan didn't work out, I had to wad it up like a piece of paper and pitch it in the garbage can and say, okay, God, I tried my plan. It did not work. And now I'm surrendering my my will to the will of the Father because I know you have a much greater plan. And so I began to cry out to God a three-word prayer that forever changed my life, relight the fire. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29 that our God is a consuming fire. And so I began to cry out to God like this, God, I want to win more souls. I don't know where they are. You do I'm asking you to lead me to them and relight the fire. I had a desire in my heart for many years that I wanted to reach prostitutes. I wanted to reach the drug dealers, the pimps, the addicts. I wanted to reach the homeless, the hopeless, the desperate. I wanted to touch those people, but I did not know how. And to be perfectly honest with you, I did not know even where they were, but God did. And so one day after praying for several months, I pulled in the parking lot of a restaurant in Richmond, Texas in broad daylight, and there were two ladies standing there. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go meet those two ladies because today I will save them. And I've discovered several things about the voice of God, and I like to talk about those because God's voice will always line up with his word every single time. God's voice will always bring God all of the glory. And then the other thing I like to share about the voice of God is you have to follow after peace. If you don't have peace about something, don't go with it because it's God's way of warning us and trying to protect us. You might say, Deborah, how did you learn all of that? The hard way. (laughs) The hard way. But you know what? If we can get this message out, come on to our young people. How many of you know they don't have to learn the hard way like maybe you and I did as adults? That they can take a different road and serve Jesus all the days of their life and make the right choices. And so anyhow, I uh, had pulled in that parking lot that day. And as I approached these two women, I found out their names were Benita and Juanita. I'll never forget that. And I smiled. I said, Benita, Juanita, are you girls sure you're going to heaven? And they shook their head and said, no, no one has ever asked us that question before. I said, let's take care of that right now. And in broad daylight, I grabbed their hands, led Benita and Juanita in a short prayer, and they received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Man, I was like so fired up. 
I come from a family of baseball players, so get your glove up. Catch this. Go ahead. Get your glove up. I'm going to throw out this line drive. Are you ready? Are y'all going to catch it? Are you going to catch it, everybody that's watching? There is nothing more exciting than leading a lost, wandering soul out of darkness into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more exciting. And so they got born again. I was happy, ran to my car, jotted down my cell number, handed it to Benita Juanita. And I said, girls, if you ever need anything, call me. I never thought they would call. Several nights later, Benita called and said, I want to meet up with you again. I said, okay. I said, where do you want to see me at? She said, same parking lot, same restaurant, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. I didn't even know who these girls were. I was like, okay, I'll be there. So when I pulled up, Benita runs up to me, and she throws her arms around me. I remember it like it was yesterday. And she said, Deborah, I love you, and I'm giving my whole life over to God today. I'll never forget that moment. It was beautiful. And uh, then she said, my sister Cookie is here, and she's sitting in the van with her children. And she said, whatever happened to me the other day, I need for that same thing to happen to Cookie, okay? And so I went and shared John 3.16 with Cookie. Cookie got born again. Cookie's children got born again. How many of you know our God is still in the business of whole household salvation? Act 16 says, believe. Everybody shout, believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your whole household. And so Benita said, follow me across the tracks. I want to show you where we live. I said, okay. And friends, I want you to know that I never dreamed one little drive across one little set of railroad tracks would change my life, my purpose, the way I viewed people for the rest of my life. Because when I went across those tracks, I didn't know that this was really the beginning of my destiny, my purpose in life. Because I saw the young people wandering the streets with no direction. I also saw the drug addicts, the drug dealers. I saw the crack houses. I saw the prostitutes. And I said to myself, Oh, God, these are the people I've been praying for. How many of you know that God is faithful? He not only hears our prayers, but he always answers our prayers. The Bible says the ears of the Lord, they are open to the cry of the righteous. And we've all been made righteous by the blood that Jesus shed for you and I. And so I ran to the store and I went and bought big bags of candy. And I cut the tops of the candy bags off with a pair of scissors. And I went to, I didn't even know the area was called Mud Alley until months later because of all the crack houses and the prostitution. And I would go out there once a week, broad daylight, hand out a piece of candy to every person I saw. Tell them John 3.16, lead them to Jesus Christ. Sometimes Benita was with me and in about three to four weeks time, we had led over a hundred people to Jesus Christ in Mud Alley. It was glorious. And then it was 200 and 500 and then over a 1,000. I mean, the crime rate went down in Mud Alley because God Almighty invaded an area where he wanted to bring out a harvest of souls. And so I was like so thrilled and so excited about everything God was doing. And then I found out months later that Benita was a prostitute and a crack addict. And, uh, you know, don't let this offend you because I'm just real down home. I'm open. I'm transparent. I have, uh, I have nothing to hide. And I like to say it like this. Jesus sent me the woman at the well. 
Think about it. John chapter 4. The woman had five husbands. The man she was living with, man number 6, she didn't bother to marry. Man number 7, Jesus shows up. And number 7 is that perfect, complete, miraculous number of fulfillment. And he fulfilled her life. But I want you to get your glove up and catch this. Because this is like talking about the woman at the well. Sometimes we skim over the surface. Jesus not only wanted that woman... He wanted a city called Samaria. And he said, if this woman can be changed, she's going to be the one to bring the whole city out to hear and to see Jesus for themselves. And she did. And the Bible says many believed on him that day. And so this is what I want to present to you and I. If Jesus could use a messed up woman, I know he can take you and me and use our life to fulfill his great purpose for his glory. Jesus loves to use messed up people and turn everything around for his glory. And so we began to bring people to church and I found out, you know, Benita was a crack addict prostitute. And I like to say it like this. All I need is one good hooker to win the inner city. That's all I needed. And I had her. She was my woman at the well. And when people saw her life changing, they're like, man, if Benita's changing, we know that God Almighty is real. And they wanted him in their life. And so from there, God just began to blow open doors and uh, I began to travel across the United States, uh, really for one reason, I, I, you know, I'm preaching women's conferences, I, I speak to the young people, I like to speak to anybody, but most pastors call me because they want me to train their people to win souls and then I take them onto the streets. And so whenever I began to go on the streets, uh, miracles began to happen in people's lives, like very uncommon miracles. Like uh, one night we went into the worst crack district uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and there was a woman there. She wore a pink hat. I can't tell you her name because she changed her name every single night, so I really don't know who she is. But every single night when she saw us, she cussed at us, she cussed at us, she cussed at us. She wanted nothing to do with us. But I want you to know one night we stood on that street corner. And I'm telling you, gangs are everywhere. They have their weapons. Uh, one night these uh, this couple, they kept their little infant baby in the car. And they were so high on crack. And they were dancing all on top of the hood. And I just let them dance, baby, let them dance. And when they got tired enough and they finally came off the hood of the car, I said, can I hold your baby? They said, yes, you can. So they took their baby out of the car all high on crack, handed me the baby, and right in the middle of the crack district, we led those two people to Jesus Christ, and we dedicated that baby to the Lord. And so I like to say it like this. You can tell I'm getting excited, right? Okay, I got my motor running. Because I love not just to come to church, and I believe in coming to church every time the church doors are open, but I want to take it up to another level today. And instead of just coming to church, which is vitally important, I want you and I to be the church outside of these four walls. And uh, so we began to do some very uh, unique things in the middle of the night in some of the worst crack prostitution districts in America. We go into the heroin districts where everyone is addicted to heroin. We take communion elements with us. 
We lead people to Jesus. We just serve them communion one-on-one right on the spot. And I remember one night, it was like a Friday night, and this man was so intoxicated and so high on drugs. And uh, our team was trying to serve him communion. And all he said, he looked at us and said, oh, is it Sunday? You know? <laughs> and it just really touched me. I thought it was funny, but it touched me. Because I thought, you know, Jesus said, as often as we do this, remember me. And so I believe we can take the church outside of the four walls. And I'm not saying today that you have to go to the crack districts. I'm not saying today that you have to be with these uh, people that God has called me to. But what I am saying is that we can all reach out to our next door neighbor, to our coworker, to our classmate. There is something supernatural that happens when we begin to share the love of God. And so the woman in the pink hat, you know, she's cussing us out every single night. And I'm really used to being cussed out and it don't even bother me. It doesn't faze me, but I will say I've learned some new cuss words being out on the streets, you know, <laughs> some words I didn't hear when I was growing up. And uh, one night we were in Virginia in the projects doing an outreach and a prostitute was not happy we were there because that was her territory. And so she was in my face like this close cussing me out and, you know, I just don't react at all. I just smile, you know, let her cuss. She'll, she'll eventually, you know, cuss herself out or, you know, she'll eventually get tired of cussing at me. And she got so mad at me because I wouldn't fight with her. She said, if you don't get off of my street, I'm going to sell you tonight for $40. (laughs) And when she said that, that's what I did. I busted out laughing. And uh, she, it stunned her. She said, why are you laughing? I said, oh, girl, I'm worth so much more than $40. (laughs) I mean, my friends, how many of you know we better know our value? You know, the Bible says we've been bought with a price. We're not our own. And we need to glorify God in our body and in our spirits because we belong to God. And so she did. She got tired of cussing me, and she went and sat on the porch, and then she just cussed from there that night. And that was better. That's better than having her in my face. And uh, so back to the woman with the pink hat. I mean, just cussing us every night. Oh, she, that woman hated us. I mean, if you've never been on the streets to witness to people, you've never seen pure hatred of someone that doesn't want to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. But I have discovered in our Bible, in the book of Corinthians, it says one thing that never fails, and that's love. Love never fails. And love is not all this ooey-gooey, I love you, I love you, and we do say that on the streets. But love is an action word. And so we just continue to hand out our candy bags, hand out New Testament Bibles, um, toiletry items. We just bless the people with things that they need. Uh, just to love on them because everyone's taken something from them, but no one's given anything to them. And so one night, I mean, gang members are out everywhere. I mean, just crazy. It was really getting crazy, crazy uh, in the crack district. So I decided I'm going to start singing. And I'm not a singer, but I just fit on the street corner. And in the midst of darkness and pure evil, I began to sing a song that I learned when I first got born again. And it just went, oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. And our whole team, we began to sing that. And as we began to sing that, the presence of evil left the street corner we were on because we work in a parking lot right in front of, they call it a convenience store. 
Well, I wonder why nobody ever comes out with a bag of potato chips then. <laughs> it's not a convenience store. It's a drug selling place. And so we began to sing and the presence of evil left. The presence of God filled the place. And then I, I thought I was seeing things. It's like, here comes a woman in the pink hat. I'm like, oh, Lord, she's going to let us have it again. But as she got close, I saw her countenance had changed. And as she got closer, I saw tears running down her face. And she came up that night and she received Jesus Christ into her heart as her Savior. And then she told us later, you know, one day I'm going to write a book, just quotes from the streets. Because the people on the streets, there's something else. They, they make me laugh all the time. She told us later, she said, you know, I killed my husband, but I didn't mean to. Well, when we went to pick up people for church, guess who was first in line to get on the bus? The woman in the pink hat. And we brought her into a great church, just like Faith Church. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And so we just started going. God began to open doors. And, and you might say, Deborah, are you scared? No, I'm not scared because I know that he does give his angels charge over you and me, according to Psalm 91. And I'm glad today that his angels are not these little fat naked babies like you see in the pictures with wings flapping around. No, because if they were, I'd probably be dead. <laughs> no, his angels are real. Come on, they're big. The Bible says they're ministering spirits. And so we just began to pull out all the stops. It's like, God, we're going to go after a soul. I don't care if it's just one soul. How many of you know someone had to lead Dr. Billy Graham to Jesus Christ? Somebody had to lead him to the Lord. And my sister led me to the Lord. And, and so we just decided, hey, we're just going all out. So we were out in Orlando one night. and We were working the worst. <laughs> it's one of the worst places. I, I don't know what hell is like, but I would say the areas that we go in, that the police officers beg us not to go in, I would say it's a little bit like hell. Because that night we were walking up OBT out in Orlando, Orange Blossom Trail. And uh, we were out there to minister to the prostitutes, drug addicts, drug dealers, pimps. I mean, just everybody. And so we had a caravan of like five, six cars driving down the strip. And I happened to look out of my uh, window as we were driving. And I saw a blonde-headed girl sitting on a park bench. And I just knew inside, I thought, I want to go talk to that girl. We turned all the cars around. We got out of the car. And I had two ladies with me, and we always have men with us. That's a whole other story for a whole other time, but we always protect our team at all costs. And so we were approaching this young woman, and she's beautiful blonde, and we found out her name was Winona. And uh, she began to pour out her heart to us. She said, I'm a crack addict. I do the crack, so I don't realize I'm prostituting. I'm selling my body. And then I have to sell my body to have the money to do the crack. And she told me something that night that just hit my heart. She said, you know, I'm in a vicious cycle. I'm trapped. I can't get out. But that night, when we think we're trapped, God has a plan of escape for you and me and for every one of your family members that are not serving God yet. And so that night, we led Winona to Jesus. It was beautiful. She prayed with us and invited Jesus into her heart. And I said, how long have you been on the streets? She said, I've lived on the streets for seven years. I said, where is your mother? She said, in Georgia. 
Does your mother know where you are? No. I said, let's call mom right now. She said, oh, no, 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 I'm not ready. No, I don't want to talk to my mother. I said, okay. I had my cell phone. I said, give me your mom's number. I'm going to put it in my phone. I'm going to call your mama later this week. And she said, okay. And so that night she had allowed us to take our little, we had a little camera on the streets to film everything that she said. She gave us that permission, so we did. And a few days later, I called Winona's mother. And when I called her, she began to cry because I said, you don't know me, but I want you to know we met your daughter. She began to cry. I said, you met Winona? I said, yes, ma'am. And I said, why are you crying? She said, because I am a believer. And she said, tonight, I told the Lord, if I don't hear something from my baby girl, Winona, I don't think I'll make it through another night. And about that time, her phone rang, and it was me saying, we met baby girl, we met Winona, and mom, I want you to know your prayers for your daughter, they're working. And I want to tell you today that the only thing that turned six cars around, get your glove up and catch this, was the prayers of a praying mama is what caused all of the cars to turn around. We changed our entire plan for that night outreach. And so months went by and Winona wasn't coming off the streets, but that's okay. Everybody say, God is working. We're praying for Winona. God is working. So a few months later, we went back on the streets, bumped into Winona. And every time she saw us coming, she said, where's my candy? Where's my bling? Because we hang necklaces on all the girls, and it's just beautiful. And uh, every time we saw her, we declared the same thing over her. Winona, you're coming off a crack. You're coming out of prostitution. You're going home to your mother, and you're going to fulfill your God purpose in life. We need to watch what we say. When your daughter is all strung out on meth, you need to say, there's my mighty woman of God. You call those things that are non-existent as if they already existed. When your son says, I'm an atheist, I don't even believe there's a God. You just keep saying, there's my mighty man of God, and he's going to be a great soul winner for the kingdom of God. You speak words of life. And so we bumped into Winona, gave her her bling, prayed over her again. And she said, hey, Deborah, I just want to tell you this. I found that video y'all did of of y'all praying with me. I found it on YouTube. And she said, when my clients come in the hotel room, I say, sit down a minute. I want to show you a video. (laughs) And they think she's going to show them pornography. And she shows them this Jesus video. And uh, she said, Deborah, the clients take big old wads of money out of their pockets, put it on the table, and with tears in their eyes, and they say, Winona, I got to go. That's all I need tonight. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the religious world, which is not you and me, but the religious world would say, why would you get excited about Winona showing a video to her clients? Because that's another soul. That's a soul. That's a soul. That's a soul. And one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. And though she wasn't all the way off the streets, how many of you know God is working? And so I want you to see a picture of Winona. This is the very first night that we met her. And I'm on the right. 
That's me, because a woman has a prerogative to change her hair color <laughs> as many times as she wants. And uh, right next to me is Winona. That's the night we met her. That's all the bling we gave her, except the Barbie necklace already belonged to her when we met her that night. And uh, so for the next three and a half years, while Winona was still on the streets, we were praying like there was no tomorrow. I don't think there's a church in America that I have spoken at that I did not ask the congregation to pray for Winona. And I kept declaring she's coming off the streets. Years went by, we would see her off and on, and she still wasn't coming off. But three and a half years ago, my cell phone rang in Texas. Guess who it was? Winona. And she said, Deborah. I want to call you to tell you I'm off a of crack. She said, I called to tell you I'm not selling my body anymore. I'm done. I'm done with that. And she said, I went home to my mother. God restored me to my family. And then the next part just did it for me. I mean, cake is good. Anybody like to eat cake? But how many of you know of the icing on the cake? I'd rather have the icing skip the cake. And to me, this is an icing on the cake. Winona said, Deborah, I'm on fire for the Lord, and I'm serving God in my local church in Georgia. And so if you're wondering if prayer works, ask Winona. If you're wondering if outreach works, ask Winona and her praying mother because God answered her prayer. And you can show the next picture of Winona. Here's her now, two weeks ago. That's Winona. She's gained 60 pounds. She's been free for three and a half years. She got her first real job. Come on, let's shout about that. She bought herself a car. I mean, I'm just so proud of her. I said, Winona, where are you working, girl? She said, in the grocery store. I said, you are the best clerk in that grocery store. I know you are. And so today, I want to bring us to the place where we'll want to reach more people than we've ever reached before in all of our lives. And so would you be so kind as to stand with me, please? Today, if you are here and you would say, you know what, Deborah, I want to win more souls than I've ever won in all of my life. I want you to lift your hand because I want to pray a special prayer over you. It's the Great Commission. Go into your world. Share God's love. Mark 16, 15. And then you may put your hand down. Thank you. If you're here today and you would say, Deborah, I want you to pray for my family because they're not serving God. Would you wave at me? Okay, thank you. You may put your hands down. I'm going to ask another question. Do you have someone in your family that's fighting an addiction that you want me to pray for today? Would you lift your hand up? I think about a little girl named Angie in Fort Worth, Texas, that we prayed with her, and she was set free from heroin addiction. She's a beautiful wife and a mother today. God knows just how to set people free, no matter how deep the addiction is. And then I have one more question. I want you to close your eyes for this question. Are you here today? And you would say, Deborah, I'm not real sure I'm going to heaven, but I would like to be sure. If that's you, would you lift up your hand wherever you are? I see your hands. Thank you so much. Someone else, Deborah, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Hey, maybe you're like I was when I was 20. Man, I didn't know about heaven. I didn't know about being saved. I didn't know any of that stuff. Would you please lift your hand if you want to make sure you're going to heaven today and you're not sure 
I sure would like to pray with you. That would be my joy and my honor. Okay, you may put your hands down. Thank you. You may all look up. I'm going to ask you to do something for me this morning, and I'm going to hold you for probably about three more minutes. And then you can go have lunch and Mexican food or Italian food, whatever you want to eat. But if you raised your hand and you said, I want to win more souls, I want you to come out of your seat right now. I'm going to pray for you. If you raised your hand and you said, Deborah, pray for my family, would you come out of your seat right now? I'm going to pray a prayer for your family. And come all the way up. There's no dividing lines. Just come all the way up. We're just going to crowd in here like one big family because we are family. And uh, I don't know who you are. Just grab my hand for a second and look at me, baby. I just want you to know that your best days are not behind you. They are in front of you because God is totally erasing your past. And he has an amazing destiny for you. And I want you to know that today. Give Jesus a hand clap. He's a good God. He's a good, good father. If you raised your hand and you said, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, I want you up here with us. We're going to pray this awesome, awesome prayer. Just come on down. Come on down. And so right now, let's all pray this together. Can we pray a prayer together? Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I give you my life. And I thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. Now, how many of you have loved ones you're praying for? Would you begin to call out their names right now? Would you tell God who you're praying for? Father, right now we pray over our children, our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren. We pray over husbands, wives. Father, we pray over moms, dads, uh, brothers, sisters. Father, we cover our whole family today in the grace of God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are supernaturally putting laborers into their pathway that will speak the truth to them in love. And Father, I want to thank you right now that I break the powers of sin and darkness. I take authority over every addiction and I break its hold over their lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we set our families free. We thank you for saving them. We thank you, Father, for causing them to step into and fulfill their God-given destiny in life. And we praise you for that. Now, everyone, lift your hands if you feel comfortable in doing that. Father, set us on fire. Father, that's the prayer I pray for myself, for my brothers, for my sisters. Father, set us on fire today, Father. Father, cause us to seize and recognize opportunities when you are opening the door for us to share our faith with someone else. Father, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters today that we'll begin to invite people to church, that we'll begin to bring people to church with us, that it'll be the most exciting season in our life, reaching out to someone else. And Father, we give you all of the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.